Welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. I'm Jay Late Night Larson. And I'm Lyndon Chalky Cabellion. In each episode, we will be talking to different surfers and surf shops to learn more about them and their passion for surfing. We will be diving deep into their experiences as well as their involvement and contributions to their local communities. Be sure to check out our website and Instagram feed for updates on future shows. Thank you for your support and we look forward to sharing these great stories with you. Welcome friends, family, and surf fans. We are the Late Night in Chalky podcast. Today we have Dave Bach, who is a long time friend and I used to actually work for the guy and he's a successful entrepreneur that's had a business for over 30 years. Almost 30 years in almost, May. Almost 30 years uh, and his uh, company is called Earthpack. Welcome Dave. Good morning guys. And thanks for having us here in, uh, what, what is this? Santa Ana? Irvine. Irvine. We're in Irvine. Get it right, bro. That's the first time we've ever been in Irvine on a podcast. Easy, it's pretty cool. Easy. Uh, so before we get into the business of Earthpack, let's talk about Dave Bach, the young surfer. Yeah, we want to hear about your, your upbringing, your, your, your surf, your, your first board, you know, did you do contests? Let's, let's, no, let, come on. Let's start it all. We want to hear it all. Back up. When did you start surfing, Dave? 11 or 12 years old, so that I'm 52, so that was 77. Damn, thanks, pal. 77, 78. So, oh, you started in 78? Yeah. Okay. And. I was like seventh or eighth grade. Okay. Pretty common. That's like teenage or young. Seventh, 11? Seventh grade? I felt like I was a little, I felt like I was a little Fifth. late for the guys I, you know, I went to grade school with Sam August. Nice. And so obviously that we was. We love Sammy. That was like a dream that Sam was a year younger than me and he was by far way ahead of me, you know, the surfing abilities, you know. Um, So you grew up in Huntington? I grew up actually in Fountain Valley. Fountain Valley. Okay. So so did you start off right off the bat surfing and or boogie boarding or skateboarding? Like what was your first? I I always skated. I didn't get into ramps and stuff like that until... You know, high school days. Yeah, I was a little little bit older, but no, my family was from the East Coast, and they really weren't beach people. So, I didn't grow up boogie boarding or body surfing, which was, you know, more challenging. Yeah, you yeah. know, where to catch the waves, how to catch the waves, and stuff like that. So, I felt like I was a little bit behind the eight ball from the guys that were learning. But, um, you know, I had, I had Sam and Robert and Ardo and Randy Wilson yeah. for the boys at the shop, uh, sort of helping me out a little bit. Yeah, and when you surf with good people, that kind of helps accelerate your learning curve. Yeah. Absolutely, right. that's in everything with life, with golf, with business. Like, yeah, it's awesome to hear like the heritage of the Robert August family and Sam and stuff because I I grew up in Huntington and that was the shop to hang out. Like, you know, there's all kinds of great shops, but there was my you know first custom shaves was Roberts and it was like you know they're great, obviously iconic family, but yeah, Sam and the and the crew, they were awesome. They were they were like family to me. Yeah. They, they treated me like family. They weren't treating me like that, you know, sort of that cook from from Fountain Valley. <laughs> they, they really treated me like family, and they always welcomed me. Which in. you were probably. Yeah, I still am. <laughs> <laughs> so, was your first surfboard a Robert August? Yes. Or, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Nice. It was a six four, like that sting that's sitting in the corner the, there, sitting on the corner and. Nice single fin thruster. What single, is that? single fin box box single fin has a little single wing bump on it. Sweet. Um, I, I love it that everybody's first board was giant, and we t- we bring this up a lot because you know that was kind of common back then, and it is still today. Like you know, 
my you know first board was way bigger than it should have been. Everybody's first board was way bigger than it should have been, but I but think it's better to start off on a bigger board yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um I think he asked you this, but did you surf contests before back um, in the day? I did. I wasn't an NSSA guy, <clears throat> but uh Fountain Valley, had a, Fountain Valley had a surf team. I surfed ASA, WSA. Um that was always six, six man heats, three guys would advance, first place would be able to skip around. Um it's always that fear. I always still hear it when it's like five minutes, five minutes for me. I just get this like fear, you know. Um, and I would always run up against when I had that chance where I, I got through one heat, got through another heat, and I'm like, can make it to the finals. It was always like one of the Giddings brothers or Robbie Todd or oh, Richie Collins yeah. or uh, one of the Estrada brothers yeah. or Giddings. I'm like, yeah. There's, I, I'm not even going to get fifth place in here. Yeah. So Contests are so weird because... It's all really a stroke of luck, but you make your own, you can make your own luck. Like you have to hustle and surf really well to win contests. But yeah. sometimes you know you can get lucky and get the bomb, and yeah. and other guys get stuck inside. But time you know. restraints, man, it screws your head up real quick. And back then it was like four, top four waves in like a really short time, 15, 15 minutes, 20 Be- minutes. Yeah. Beach like, starts. Yeah, beach starts. So. And, and and at like 14, 15 years old, you're like huffing and puffing and ready to have a heart attack yeah <laughs> totally agree and a lot of guys will say oh i was never a good contest server you know i was never smart enough mentally tough in the water i can't use that excuse like, i i like i got two quick waves yeah. and sat out in the back i got my three waves i just i wasn't good enough yeah. so mentally like everyone says get your two waves sit outside get your third wave sounds like larson could have used that that uh meant um Mental uh, competitive edge. <laughs> hey, bro. I had plenty of wins under my belt when I was a grom. Just not so much later in life. Not so much later. <laughs> I did it more just because the buddies. I always surf with guys that were better than me, thinking mm-hmm. I could try to ch- chase them and get better. And right. Yeah. I'd sit on the beach after I got eliminated and you know, just sat on the beach as a grom and yeah. walked up on the pier and got, got my strips and a Coke and, and like, <laughs> hang out. And <laughs> yeah, but the, the you know trophies were you know whatever, but the gift bags you would get making the finals were always awesome. You know, always local surf shops supporting like the the prize packs along with all the like local companies. And I just remember like, I want to make the, you know, final and get a trophy, but I want to see what's in that goodie bag, you know? And you know, each place from sixth place to like third, you're getting like four more items. And if you get the first, you're getting a really good item. And yeah, Laura, but you're you're a little different level. I was just stoked to have, I was stoked just to have the event (laughs) t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, t-shirts. Just, just to, to put out, on the jersey. Yeah, they used to give out t-shirts every contest. How about the old Caton? You guys aren't old enough, but the old Caton jerseys that were made out of like old sails that like literally oh, yeah. had to tie up and they stunk so bad. Did you so ever get bad. to surf a Caton? Yeah, when they rebrought it, when they brought it back, you know, like later in the '90s, but not the original. Yeah. Like, that was way before my time. Um, speaking of surf shops, do you remember what was your first like shop that you were like, "Damn, that's the place I like to go." What I knew first, Robert August, and then yeah. his cruise over, and the guys were a little older at, at George's yeah. Surf Center. That's when a little uh, intimidating. Those guys there, they were a rowdy bunch. They were gnarly, but they yeah. saw me around enough, and I used to fix boards for guys, ding repairs, and so I was always a South Side guy. But it was pretty Ooh. gnarly going over North, north Side back in those days, mm-hmm. late late seventies, early eighties. But I'd see one of the guys from from you know George's, and I'd always go up there. Hey, how you doing? You mind if I catch a couple of waves? And you know. Damn, you were polite. I think that's going to evolve over, over, over yeah. this conversation about like localism and local spots. And- uh, yeah. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. 
If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What you do and it, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe Robert told me, hey, if you go over there, you better make eye contact and shake somebody's hand if you want to catch yeah. any waves. And I, I, was, I still practice that today at 52. Yeah, I was a tower two, just rat, and I got put in my place plenty of times <laughs> <laughs> and well deserved too at most of them. You know, I was. Little cocky little shit. <laughs> Northside is definitely a little bit more hectic than Southside. Yeah, I'm gonna have to say that. A lot of uh, our good friends like to surf North Northside, but I try to shy away from there. Um, so, what were your early days of surf trips? Do you remember where your first like real surf trip was, or Mexico? <clears throat> most Gro- common. Growing up. You know, family vacation, you know, family vacation. Hey, we're going to go down to Cabo or we're going to go to Hawaii. And so my surf trips, even today, have always been around family trips. It's not. Were you able to bring your board with you? Yeah, brought brought boards. And it was just like walking walking through the airport as a grom. And I got, you know, my triple bag with me. And I I was just stoked. Everyone's looking like, who's this guy? Where's he going? Where's he going to go surf? So board bag, guys. It's a board bag. Surfboard. Yeah. yeah, I used to say there's, there's surfboards in there. in there. People, you know, people would look and they'd be like, "What do you got in there?" I'm a little wrong with this huge bag. So first trip was um, North Shore, uh, Turtle Bay, a little Ooh. break called Kui Lima. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I was older than I think I was probably 14 at the time, and I met some local guys there that were like 12 or 13, and they're like, "Oh, the paddle's too long in the bay. Walk over here, and you jump off the rock." So. I was watching them, and they had the. You're as howly as they come. I'm. I was. That's before I was gray, right? So I was just a redhead, and they're like, "Yeah, you just, you know, you hop off with your board and just, you know, hold your board in your hand, and when you hit the water, you go down and let the board go." And I jumped off like flat out straight, did a belly flop about ten feet in the water, and I couldn't breathe for like an hour. It seemed like. I was just like. This. That and that, and just dealing with like the lava rocks. It's not your cobblestone rocks that we're used to here in California. It's like. Was there, was Every there step, too? Ow. Yeah, it was just, it was soft. Just okay. a soft little right that went into the cove, and that was fine for me at 13 or 14. Yeah. No locals, really. No, no, no hassling They're there, really. White locals. Yeah. They were totally fine. That's nice. awesome. I love white. So you grew up in Fountain Valley. Yes. Then did you graduate high school? Barely. Barely. Barely, barely 1984. Kind of like Lyndon. Barely. <laughs> did he graduate? He had the brain. <laughs> he had the brains, just... I don't know. Surfing no, took over. No patience. Yeah, no. <laughs> did you did you go to college? I just I don't have a college semester, but I went to some classes. Nice, dude. Yeah, I don't Welcome have, to I like the. It. I don't have one unit like, of college. Yeah. Hey, you know, 
most. Laura, you didn't go to college either, right? I did not. Yeah. yeah. See. Yeah, we're we're pretty smart fellers for for uh, not being college educated. Educated. <laughs> I think it's a little different these days. Uh, yeah, it's definitely tougher. Yeah, but you know, you, you, your college was you know life, life, and and you know working hard, and you know there's a lot of good other attributes versus being book smart that you put into what you've built here. Yeah. So we're going to learn about that right now. We're going to, yeah. And that reminds me of how you and I met Dave. Um, I think I was working for Ed Sakel at Bullet. Bullet. Yeah. And I don't, I, I remember you coming in saying, yeah, you know, I sell merchandise bags, you know, when people buy stuff, uh, you, you know, it's the bags that you put their their goods in, their T-shirt or their wax or whatever. And I think I made a joke saying we don't sell anything here because <laughs> uh, back in the day when when Bullet was off the beaten path, you remember that it was on Bolsa and Heil, right. and there's, I mean. I would literally fall asleep sometimes in the store because no one would walk in. I'd try to find, like, keep myself busy and try to find out, you know, what to do or, like, clean the floor or clean the countertops. But there was definitely some times there were zero dollar days. Yeah, lots of custom surfboards, lots of boards going out, but not a lot of merchandise. merchandise, Yeah, I mean, over time, we did start to sell stuff, but um, I think... Uh, we finally bought some bags from you is when we moved the shop from uh, Bolsa to Sunset Beach. On PCH. And that's where it started kind of going. Um, so that's where it kind of we started selling more goods. And then we started buying merchandise bags from you then. And then I was going to move and, and start working for ZJ Boarding House. And you're like, dude, why do you want to work out there? Uh, are you gonna work there every day? And I'm like, I don't know, I, I, I guess. And then you're like, you should work for me, you know, during the week, and then um, you can work for ZJ on weekends. And that's, I think, how you and I started. Hear, hear that, kids? Double jobs these days. Double jobs. Yeah, I was like work a Jamaican. Work during the week, and then work on the weekends, and work nights. Like, I was like a Haitian Jamaican. <laughs> how many jobs you got? One. <laughs> Multiple you lazy dogs. little lima bean. We always had side hustles back then. <laughs> always. But um, so Dave, bef- uh, we jumped right into it. But uh, how did you get into the business? Like, how did you come up with it? How you know what was your? Dire- how did you find the direction of of making mer- merchandise bags? I wish it was like a real quick, easy story, but there's so many components to it. So my dad was always an entrepreneur, (laughs) always had a business, always had us like folding, making things up. He was a packaging guy that did more like um, boxes and styrofoam for computer, uh, for computers and electronics and stuff like that. So sometimes these boxes would come and you have to fold them and put it, put the stuff in there. And it was like, he broke probably every child labor law from all my buddies <laughs> surfing, but it was easy because living in Fountain Valley on like Brookhurst and Warner, it, you know, it was 35 minutes. You know, you strap your board board to your bike and ride down to the beach. And my dad didn't get up early in the morning, so he would go down to the pier and pick us up the old the old Lake Street, right, and load all the boards and all the bikes in the, in the back of the van, drop us off at school, and we'd repeat it in the afternoon. And so, um, 
everybody's like, how does your dad do that? He takes off work. And well, he's self-employed. So I was always yeah. really, really intrigued with that. And then later he just, everybody would meet at my house. He would load everybody in the van, go down there and smoke a cigarette, have a cup of coffee and take videos of us. What's your Bob? Oh, what's your Bob's name? What's your dad's name again? Mitch. Mitch. Yeah. That's right. Um, Super cool dude. Retired, lives out, lives out in the desert. Him and my mom are doing great. Nice. He, um, he smoked forever, right? He still does. He still does? He still oh does. Oh my gosh. How do people do that? It's crazy. That generation. I yeah. mean, it's crazy back then. But so in 89, I, I did some research and your you know website was stating you started Earthpack in 89, but you're doing stuff for your dad well before that. Yeah. So um, thanks for getting me back online. So I always knew this was like a cool lifestyle and then... My dad started a company that sold... Before, before you yeah. go into that, how how did your dad get into that business? Do you remember or do you know? I don't. He was just, you know, came out from Baltimore, Maryland in you know, the early, early 60s and found a job somewhere and was a salesman for a packaging company and did well and got recruited by another company, did well. He saw that he was making you know, the owners of that company more money than he was and he was doing the work, so he opened up his own company. Nice. And then one of his clients... Um, needed some other work done so he transitioned to this other job and somehow we got involved in you know off-road racing like the Baja 500 and Hmm. the Mint 400 in Vegas and he loved doing that so as an entrepreneur he's like what can I do to justify these as business expenses so he started (laughs) he knew a guy that made stickers so he started making stickers for all the race teams the numbers that went on the cars and the engine builders and the tire what was his business called it was called Mr. Sticker (laughs) insane it was called Mr. Sticker and so I wasn't as into the, like all the off-road racing. I like going down to Mexico because I'd bring my boards and they'd go to the race and I'd go surf, right? But I saw this business that he created that was a lifestyle business. He didn't make much money on it, but at least he could justify these are business expenses going out to these races, staying in these hotels. Got so, to do what he loved yep, and 100%. make some money on it and everything. That's So it was stickers and then he, he, I remember, you know, I worked for your dad too, kind of the gopher kid. Right. Um, he used to make Levelor blind samples. Sample books. For, sample so books if you wanted to buy some like blinds for your house, you'd open up this catalog of yeah. colors and f- textures. Kind of what you'd like see that. at... Yeah, design books. At Cos- mean, Costco. Home Depot. Home Depot, yeah. yeah. You'll look at a, a decorator book. So he would do that and all my buddies would come over and help cut these fabrics and glue them on the things. Um, and then he was doing... The, so that was his income. And then he did this sticker deal just to justify going on these trips. I saw these stickers and they started making bumper stickers for all these off-road stores. And I'm like, I'm not, totally not into that. I'm going to start tell, selling these stickers to surf shops. Yeah. Huh. And that's how I got my deal probably all through high school in the summer selling these bumper stickers up and down the coast to all the surf shops. What did they say? Gosh. I love surfing. Surf City USA. Uh, on the seventh day, uh, God went surfing. Some stickers that I can't even repeat now. <laughs> so like so gnarly that I can't even believe Polit- it. Politically incorrect and, so and, bad. and offensive, but yet funny, you know. Back in the day yeah. it was appropriate. Yeah. Now it's it was gnarly. I can't believe people were doing it. So it was um, that was just the evolution. So I'm like, wow, this is a lifestyle. Like during the summer, I'd roll up to a store, take a look, count all their stickers, go into my little notebook and see how many they had the week before. So who was your first what was your company called? It was did just called Mr. Sticker. It was oh, still so, Mr. So you, Sticker. I so just worked for my work, dad. Okay. But I did more of the surf shops. Right. And, and then, Jack, Jax was my first account. Nice. Awesome. Did you deal with Ron or Bobby? Or All no? of them. Big Mike. Actually, Big <laughs> Mike. Yeah. Sick. And in fact, some of these inappropriate stickers, they had some people from Laguna come down ready to boycott the store if we didn't take these 
stickers. Oh <clears throat> so um, yeah. we had to clean up our act. But during that transition, and I don't remember in the 80s, and you're definitely too young. You might remember Lyndon, but... I'm, I'm not as old as you, you're, so... You're close. Uh, so. Really? Hey, hey. No, no hey. numbers here. Yeah. So there was, a, <laughs> there was a time in the 80s that there was um, a gas shortage. So when mm. you pull up to a gas station, you could only get gas if your license plate ended with an odd or even number, and yeah. you could only get gas on odd or even days. Yeah. And because of that shortage, since a plastic bag is a derivative of crude oil, there was a shortage of plastic bags. So I heard all these surf shops when I was in, uh, in high school, when I was selling them stickers, that they couldn't get their plastic bags. They couldn't get their plastic bags. And it just sat in the back of my head for whatever reason. Hmm. So when I went back to school after uh, high school, to some junior colleges, I had to write a fictitious business plan. Oh, you knew the angle. And so part of this business plan was you <clears> had to focus on one or one of three categories. One that was something positive for the community or something that was involved your hobby or something that was charitable. And being a smart ass, you know, 18, 19 year old kid, I'm like, I'm gonna make shopping bags out of recycled materials so there'd never be a shortage. That's positive for the community. I'm going to donate a portion of the proceeds to Surfrider, and I'm going to sell to surf shops because that's my hobby. That's funny, dude. That's that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean that's pretty straightforward. And coming from an 18 year old, I mean that's pretty ingenious. And, yeah. And I'm you know because that's you learned from your dad exactly you know how to work it and what you wanted to do. What made you happy? The apple didn't fall too far from the tree. Not at all. He's been my mentor from day one and. He still will give me a high five on, on a good deal or just shake his head saying, you're blowing. What are you, what are you doing like buying this building in Irvine when you're down at the beach in Costa Mesa? Tough love. You know, and 12 years later, he looks at it and he's like, smartest investment yet. Yeah. yeah. I should have done that 20, 20 years ago. Right. Uh, crystal ball. So, so you put it down on paper and it sounds amazing. And then uh, the name of the company you started was leisure time marketing leisure time marketing and so my plan was to sell stickers t-shirts hats shopping bags just throw enough stuff on the wall and see what sticks right yeah, yeah. and everybody had their sticker guy everyone had their lamb guy everybody had their t-shirt guy or whatever but nobody really had a a, a, a packaging guy a guy to do <coughs> quality packaging and yeah. my deal was if i can do your bag that you're getting now for the same price and have it out of recycled materials, why wouldn't you do it? Why wouldn't you support a local guy that, that surfs right out there, that mm -hmm. knows the industry? Like, why wouldn't you do it? Yeah. Um, did you? And people did, started to do it. Did you, outside of like some of the surf shops, did you have friends, um, I, you mentioned some that you competed with, but other guys that went and started working for like surf companies and, you know, accessory companies and, did you have ends already in, with other? In that start, the industry is pretty, still pretty small. It, it was pretty, it was yeah. pretty small. And you know, backing up a little bit, uh, as I was going to school, my buddy asked me if I wanted to get a job for uh, Jeff Yokoyama at mm. Maui and Sons. Yeah, and it was the first job in the the industry I worked for. And I remember pulling up in my raggedy old Volkswagen, right, and I parked in the back because I was a warehouse worker. But you could look around the front, and it was just like you know, BMW, Range Rover, like it was like. All these guys that were in their upper 20s, early 30s, just cr crushing it, right? Brand was on fire then. Everybody, was, they were just on fire. And I just realized like, hey, I want to be a rep. I want to be a rep for this company. 
but realize like the pecking order. I was at the lowest end of the totem pole, but that's where I sort of, you know, sunk my teeth into the industry where I just wanted that culture. You know, you, you pull up after lunch and you see just wetsuits wet hanging, hang and I'm like, oh my God, that's killer. Like, yeah, yeah. Surf lunch breaks all, all the time. Oh, the waves are pumping. Yeah, yeah, it's a board meeting, you know. Oh, you know, yeah. it's just part of their lifestyle. So at that point in time, I'm like, I got to I gotta do this. So I dusted off that old business plan, went to work in another sales company that was unrelated just to learn like sort of corporate structure of, you know, how you, man- how you want and get leads and how you manage those leads and how you take care of those customers. And um, I did that for about a year and a half, pitched my dad on the idea what I wanted to do. And he said, you're foolish, you're stupid, you don't have enough money, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But if you want to rent an area in my warehouse for $200 a month, um, I'm down. And I'm like, let's do this. <laughs> so he literally taped a 10 foot by 10 foot area with duct tape in the warehouse and said, that's your space. Keep your shit there. And your first uh, desk was a... It's a folding card table from grandma <laughs> and a, you know, a rainbow colored folding I think, chair. I think we shared that space for a couple of years. Absolutely. Your, your desk, your inventory, your <clears throat> world was in a 10 by 10 in your dad's warehouse. Absolutely. Amazing. Uh, <laughs> one really cool thing that I... I think I learned from you is, you know, you told me whatever you do, because, you know, I was kind of your rep for, for a little bit there trying to sell merchandise bags to people. He's like, don't walk out of there without a business card and write down whatever you can remember the person's name that you talk to, you know, any, any little thing that'll help you remember that conversation or that business. So when you, go ahead and you know try to reconnect and try to get their business, you're going to have something to go off of. And I'll never forget that. So that was yeah. pretty cool. That's funny that you say that because I had that exact conversation with my son, yeah. <laughs> Colby, who was at a trade show in Vegas uh, the last couple of days. And I said the same thing to him. Yes. You know, and that's just something that yeah. you know, my dad taught me. My dad taught me. I'm yeah. a visual learner, so when I write that name on that card, yeah. yes. I'm putting a face to that name. So when I pick up that card again, I just don't see that face. I see what that shop looks like. I I see what bags are they're, they're yeah. passing out just by writing their name on that card. Yeah, I, I I'm visual as well. And when I became a ramp and you know learning a lot of people, a lot of different shops, a lot of kids on the floor, I actually had three by five index cards, and I would write like. John, he had brown, long hair and, you know, you know, tall, uh, you know, Susan, you know, short hair. I'd write like descriptions of hmm. all the employees. So I wouldn't lose track. And when I came in and, you know, makes a, you know, that good impression, good impression. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that guy remembered me. And Love stuff. That. But it also, I was not very good with names to begin with. So I needed that extra, you know, diligent of writing it down. Love that. Yeah. So how, how long did it take? For you, because I think I worked for you for like a year and a half, maybe two years, and then um, got fired. No, <laughs> you went on to bigger and better things. I, 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 I started working for Huntington Surf and Sport full time. He got too good. He got no, not in a, not in a negative way, but you know, he he got too good. He could go out and make more money somewhere else rather than me. And uh, I think that's when he went, went uh, to HSS. Yep, yep. And, um, and just think, Lennon, you could have a corner <laughs> office in here, buddy. A 10 yeah. by 10, roped off <laughs> yeah, yeah. right here. <laughs> but um, so, you know, businesses, the first two years are the toughest years to, to stake your, you know, claim and get footing. You know, how was, how was it? Like, I know that it was under the guidance of your dad, but I mean... 
he wasn't making those phone calls and, and, and pounding the pavement for you. Like, how, how was that early stage of, of being an entrepreneur and owning your own business and, you know, trying to come up with $200 rent? It was, it was gnarly because, like, that would be my biggest fear, like, paying my dad late. Yeah. How um, old were you when you started it? So, 89, I was 23. Wow. 24. And, you know, fortunately, I had, you know, rent down, downtown Huntington that was probably like $450 and my car was paid. So, I didn't have a lot of bills. But yeah. still, I had to generate. The only way that I could pay my bills is if I sold something. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't I was going to get a paycheck every Friday or every other Friday. Like, I had to go and hustle deals. And I had to go knock on doors, just like I was telling you. Mm-hmm. Knock on doors, get business cards, follow up with phone calls. Yeah, and, and also the back end of it, you know, how did you find the companies overseas? You know, did, did your dad help you find those vendors that you would, you know, get production from? He, he did, and, I, you know, still to this day, I wonder if he had the direct source for me but didn't give it to me for a life lesson. Oh, but he said, call, work call so-and-so, right? So I called Jack. Hey, Jack, this is, this is, called me Davey. This is Davey Bach, Mitch's son. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, I'm starting a business. They, oh, you're crazy. Um, <laughs> I, this is what I need to buy. I need to buy some paper bags or plastic bags that are made from trash. I can't help you call so-and-so. And literally 10 calls later, they said, you know, there's this trade show out at Anaheim Convention Center. You should go by there. Yeah. And I went by there. and I was going to say, this is pre-internet where you can't do all the research. Yeah. It's, it's word of mouth. Thomas it's, Guides. It's, it's, Thomas it's, Guides, it's, yeah. It's a yellow white pages and I mean the convention shows. Yellow pages. Yeah. Pages. So I went there, I met this company that they were like the third person in line. It was like a manufacturer, then a master distributor, and then these guys. And so I was buying from them and li- literally making you know pennies per bag, but at least I was getting my name out there. And then sold another job and sold another job and uh, you know from, from cycle to... Uh, Scott and Missy at In Flight, mm-hmm. yeah, they've been to Rich to Rich Harbor, to Todd and Mikey at ZJ, to Doug Bunting and Sean Stussy at A Keep in Laguna. Like those were the the basic foundation, and from there, I might have sold one or two for you too. Hundred percent, you did. What, was it difficult? I Mark Liddell's shop. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Island Boy. Energy. You're right, <laughs> old school right there. Was... You are old. Dude. Hey, hey, see, I've only heard that through like <laughs> third party conversations. <laughs> Um, was it difficult to find that recycled product back then? Yes. Really, really, I would imagine. It was just, I would say one out of every 20 manufacturers even had a clue with it. And it was challenging because inks wouldn't print on recycled paper as well as a virgin paper. But this wasn't asked through your retailers or who your, your, your customers. This is something you wanted to do and came up with and like, you know, it wasn't a supply and demand. It's like. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take recycled product, and that's what I'm going to sell. So it kind of, I mean, surf shops, I'm sure, embraced it you yeah. know, really well, easily. And it's funny, though, because, like, all those, the, the idea of, you know, keeping the ocean clean and environmental, you know, beach cleanups, like, those are pretty, I don't think we really talked about that kind of stuff until later on, until your, your generation. generation, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, back in the day, they, they didn't really it, worry about, you know, it wasn't as mainstream for sure. green, you know, greenhouse effect and, and all that, you yeah. know, like it, it's kind of not new, but relatively new as far as like our industry and the way surfers look at like the environment. Yeah. Well, I think and try to protect it. I think once you you're in your bubble, you know, whether it's Southern California <laughs> or America and, you know, we're pretty 
you know, First Nation thinking forward, you know, we're the leaders of pretty much everything. But when you start traveling to these second, third world countries, I think you really get that impactfulness of they don't have a recycle program. They just burn trash. It just throw it in the river, throw it here, slide on the oh road. It's, it's pretty eye opening once you, you know, start doing those travels. Yeah. So it's the third world countries yeah. are where us surfers travel. To yeah. Mexico, you know, Indonesia, <laughs> Indonesia, like the best waves in the world are the most polluted areas in the world. Yeah. Right. Cause it's not going to get, it's not going to get better unless change happens. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very controversial, you know, is plastic polluting, you know, that plastic is put there not because plastic got there. It's because yeah. the public aren't taking care of it. Yeah. Now, does that mean legislation needs to change with respect to more recycling receptacles on the street or in the beach? But people are just, people are just pigs. I'm sorry. Yeah. They're just pigs. Yeah. You know, a plastic water bottle. Sure. Nobody likes those plastic water yeah. bottles and we're making our reusable bags that we do for the beach cleanups. Yeah. And it takes five recycled plastic bottles to make one bag. Yeah. I think it goes back to convenience and just, I think just information like, you know, supplying the general public with more information about recycling and, and how much goes into making a plastic bottle or a plastic bag. You know, it's kind of like, oh, it's just disposable wear, but it's, you know, it's, it takes a lot of energy to produce all of that. So yeah, education, I think is the most important. Lar Larson's are investigative journalist yes on this team i am right on the late night with chalky podcast he's the uh official i'm the brains and the, and the good I'm just the i don't know what he really he's the, does he's the charger <laughs> but um he's come up with some cool topics to talk about and he, you know looking over at him it's like how have you kept up with uh the changing technology and and materials and you know with with the sustainability like you just keep yeah your, do your ear to the ground do the suppliers or? say hey this is what we're working on do they give you like maybe samples to like hey give us some feedback like some use like see if it you know no like, great, great great questions on how it's evolved in, in 30 years where i had to push people to get this recycled bag you know was i doing this at you know my early 20s because i was some environmentalist no i was just trying to you know create Find some type of avoid, yeah. avoid avoid you know yeah. and, and create that niche um, and it's become with that, what's been given to me is to be able to give back and, and educate and push it forward to say, what's the next thing? And we spent a ton of money about 10 years ago on developing a product called Tappy Pack. Whoa. And I, you know, we trademarked it. Uh, Tappy Pack? Tappy Pack as in tapioca. Short oh, for tapioca. Okay. And so we found this farmer, tapioca farmer in Indonesia that would get the roots of the tapioca plant. And when it would get grind down, they mix that with the raw virgin polyethylene, the little pellets. Mm -hmm. You know, you see them on the beach. They're called yeah. nurdles or whatever. Yeah, yeah. nurdles. Um, so when you mix this tapioca starch with the plastic resin, it would become biodegradable. The microorganisms in the soil would actually eat the plastic away. Whoa. Amazing. So it was like game changer. Like we're on the cutting edge. We took it slow to market. We did demos and samples for Hurley and for Nike and Quicksilver. And it was just the next best thing. It was lightweight, like a plastic bag. So yeah. you didn't have as much transportation cost. Um, it was waterproof because it was a plastic bag. But you wouldn't be hit with all the import and tariff duties uh, from the U.S. Customs because it wasn't a plastic bag because it would degrade. 
And so we did this for sample runs. I finally ordered a container of all this stuff. Um, U.S. Customs took our container, had to x-ray it because they didn't believe what they saw. They x-rayed it and found out only 20% was tapioca starch. So our source, our farmer in Indonesia just blew it. Totally lied. I guess the cost was so high that he could only put 20% in. 20% in didn't degrade this product. So the product got seized. The customers didn't get their product. It was a bummer because it was a game changer. There is a bag out there that would replace paper and plastic. That would be a totally biodegradable bag. Is that similar to what they they do on the cornstarch side of... Almost exact. The cornstarch was great, but but the cornstarch was all all GMO. Yeah. And so you're putting all these pesticides and stuff in the the cornfields to make this environmental bag. But in the meantime, you're polluting the soil that... Hmm. So in my belief... Yeah, that cornstarch bag isn't there. Yeah, you make a you make a bag that can be reused and recycled easy. Yeah, whether it's paper or plastic. So was the tapioca thing feasible? It, it was feasible, but he just didn't have enough. It was feasible at twenty percent, not at fifty percent. Mm. Uh, and and you couldn't mess around with it and get it to that. At that point in time, with the amount of money and the time that I spent on it, yeah. and you have some, yep, you pick a partner. Yeah. You got to be able to trust the partner. Yeah. And at that point in time, it was like, it's lying, cheating, stealing. Sorry, I don't have time for that. So, so I had to move on. So what what year, or how did you come up with the name Earthpack? At like, you know, what time of the business? So great, great question. Everyone's like, went from leisure time marketing to yeah. selling all these different things to leisure time packaging because I was selling more bags. And then through at the ASR shows and little pamphlets we had had, pass out I do like a small little sampling that said the earth pack line earth friendly packaging and it would just be brown bags with water-based inks it was a sort of like a collection right yeah a little capsule like a you know yeah. artist network program or something just this yeah. little <laughs> smart little how's that plug for yeah. you um, <laughs> yeah PM. but so everybody now I started getting faxes for all you got groms out there fax was this phone thing that paper came out of it but anyway uh they'd say they would say dear earth pack please send me pricing on this dear earth pack and all of a sudden i'm like what so i just i kept the corporation as leisure time packaging um and just filed a dba as earth pack and we've been doing that since probably 93 or 94 oh wow and i know that i have sold earth pack leisure time turned to earth pack that early yes okay and I know that I have deals from people that I called for years. It's Dave from Leisure Time Packaging. I want to talk to you about your bags. No callback, no callback, no callback. And I documented all this with their names on the business cards that <coughs> I've met at trade shows. And I called this one lady, Becky, that ran 17. I'm going I'm to try this Earth Pack. wonder what that'll do. Line. So I called this lady, Becky, and she managed 17 national parks. Mount Rushmore, Grand Canyon, Yellowstone. I call her every year, Dave from Leisure Time Packaging. I want to talk to you about your bags, right? And one year, I called her, this is Dave at Earthpack. I want to talk to you about your recycled bags. And she called me. And I asked her, why did you finally call me back? She's like, what do you mean call you back? I've never got a call from you. I said, I've called you for years. She's like, I don't remember that. And I said, why did you finally call me back? She said, well, being the buyer for 17 national parks, being environmental, not calling somebody back with earth in their name. She goes, I'd be afraid to be struck by lightning. And <laughs> yeah. I, I've had that account for 20 years and they buy. That is awesome. A yeah, lot of I was going through your, your list of um, 
companies you work with and I mean a ton of surf shops from HSS like you said Jack's your very first account Surfside Hobie big brands you know corporate companies like Vans Zoomies I mean it's a crazy list do you do you I sell? see a Lakers bag over there yeah get some, I see uh, Angels I mean those are your we get some bags. sports connections there Dave? yeah let's do this <laughs> do, you, do you have um, accounts outside of the action sports Absolutely. Yeah. You know, diversify. Whether it's, and again, that's where it, it, it evolved because I just wanted to, you know, work in shorts and flip flops in between surf sessions. Right. Um, but as, as it evolved and with the surf industry being volatile, you know, you're sort of forced to diversify and with those national parks. And then I met a guy that, um, managed the team store angel stadium. And then that evolved into the, when the ducks came here 20 years ago to, you know, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Kings. Um, we love those sports teams. Yeah, absolutely. Probably, you know, and, you know so it's just taken, taken from there. We're definitely in the, you know, the action sports fashion business. Yeah. Uh, as you can see, you know, we'll do bags for, you know, golf shops and country clubs and resorts, whether it's Pelican Hill or yeah. um, Travis Matthews. I see golf for Terranea Resort up there. Um, Stussy's been with us for a long time. I look up and I see a Laguna Surf and Sport bag up there. And I listened to your podcast with HSS, which was insane. Um, you know, Aaron, Thank you very much. Aaron, Aaron took a yeah, great, great job, Laura. Uh, Aaron took a risk and, you know, had me do the bags. And on his bag was so creative back then. He had his, that, the old school round HSS logo with yeah. the two surfboards that were crossed in it. Yeah. But underneath on the very bottom of the bag, it had all his brands. And obviously it was, you know, O'Neill was his big thing. But he would sell out space to these companies and maybe they would pay him two cents a bag for this. And he had 10 companies that went across that. And, you know, he was the innovator of that. There's yeah. a lot of people subsidizing the bags with yeah marketing. He's was, still very good at that. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, nobody better. Right. So, so as I look up at that and I see Laguna surf and sport, that's Eric John and uh, EJ. he went and did his LSNS store and then he had a, and so he, welcomed me in because he knew me from HSS mm-hmm. and then he was one of the first uh, licensed stores for Quicksilver Board Riders, Riders Club, Club. On yeah. the, and he brought me into that and then I got introduced to the Quicksilver when they got up to you know over 100 over 100 stores you know yeah. across Crazy. America and it was like you you treat somebody right the way you want to be treated yeah. Yeah. and good things will happen and I'm just I can't even go begin to start the list of you know, connections, the that, connections, whether yeah. it's the, the Ostis brothers that came out of surf and sport, right. Yeah. Yeah. Or the different reps that have come out from, from Jack's or, uh, Robert, Robert Housen owns Harbor retail. Now yeah. he was another HSS guy. So yeah. yeah, it's amazing what these, what the shops and the manufacturers have done to create jobs and careers that provide mm-hmm. better families and better a lifestyle, you know, for all of us yeah. with our yeah. family and our kids. It's yeah. amazing. And I mean, they could buy bags from any, anywhere and I'm sure it comes down to, to price, but you know, working with somebody like you over the years, you're delivering on time, your pricing's com- you know, competitive, but you know, more often than not, you hear, oh, Dave's honest, he's always truthful, he's always upfront. Like you, you hear these things you know, from like your, your customers, it's gotta, you know, it's gotta have a, more than a bond of just business, it's you know, a friendship and that's, I mean, primarily why we love like, doing these interviews and connecting the dots between yeah. All the different people is because you have a long-term relationship that's primarily built on business, but then there's surf, and then it becomes a friendship. Yeah. And you know, it's I, it's, I think, it's really uh, great to see how it all 
meshes together. Yeah, we're we're all fortunate that um, we're you know successful, right? And yeah. then also that we're tied in through the success through surfing. Like it's, it's funny that how surfing connects us as a people and friends and business. Nothing like it. I can't imagine working in another industry yeah. or yeah. having the top button, you know, buttoned or having to throw a, you know, a coat and tie on. Yeah. No thanks. <clears throat> no, for sure. And I mean, surf people think, oh, just surf brands, surf this. I mean, there's so many surfers out there that have companies like yours and other, you know, that you would never even expect that would cross over. So it's it's awesome to see. Yeah. In our interviews, you know, when we talk to uh, business owners, surf shops, like we, we talk about how, you know, how long the company's been around. Obviously, you're almost at 30 years. Um, you're here in, in Irvine and, you know, you have this beautiful building. And how many employees do you currently have? 14. Wow. That's 14 full-time medical, 401. Profit sharing. Profit sharing. Yeah. The whole, whole and we try And we try to... We try to back the, the deal up. If somebody wants to do a beach cleanup and work four hours on the weekend for a beach cleanup, yeah. they get those four hours in comp time you know, the following week where they can bail out early on a Friday. If somebody gr- drives an energy-efficient car that gets 40 miles to the gallon, they get $150 a month green car allowance. And so you know, what are you committed to and what are you really committed to? And then how do you back, how do you back that up financially right? yeah. to, to back up what you're saying? And... We're not perfect by any means, but I don't want to be a hypocrite. Nobody likes a hypocrite, yeah. so yeah. I don't want to be one. So I try to go that that extra step. Yeah, within your means and make sure. Yeah, you're you're obviously <clears throat> benefiting them, but it's not breaking the bank. But at the same time, it's all for a good cause. You yeah. know. And I I've, I've told you many times, but we'll we'll say it on 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 the mic is thank you for always donating the the recycled bags for our beach cleanups without a known our pleasure you're yeah, welcome super fun like it's great because you know their eye-catching bags gets people to to come to the booth and, and check them out and then and then they'll want to take them home too so it's been a, a good little partnership yeah um so being based in california you know we are very i mean i know that the epa you know our our Congressman, governor, everybody, you know, is very strict on what they want the state to follow. You know, banning straws, you know, banning plastic bags, single-use bags. Have you seen that affect, like, the way your business is, has been swayed to more, like, recycled product and paper? Like, obviously, people have to make those changes on a business stance, but I'm sure your supply and demand has, has changed as far as the product categories that were your top sellers. It's always, great question again, Yeah, it's always a debate, right? Paper or plastic? And the first that, you know, the millennials will say is plastic is bad, plastic is bad. Yeah. Um, and I'm not here to say plastic is good. I think there's certain purposes of it that um, plastic plastic works. Yeah. Um, but it and needs to be handled and disposed of properly. Yes. If I told you that a grocery store going from a plastic bag to a paper bag, Remember the thin weight plastic bags yeah. at the grocery stores that everybody is banned now? Yeah. If a grocery store would require one truck yeah. to supply them for a year of bags, if they converted to a paper bag, it would take seven trucks. Yeah. Wow. Because it's thicker and heavier. Weight so, thicker. So my question is like, how much petroleum has been used for this transportation of all these seven trucks? Yes. Seven, seven times less efficient. <clears throat> yes. What kind of pollution? 
what kind of damage is being done to our roads and our bridges. Yeah. You know, how many accidents or fatalities have happened because of, you yeah. know, big rigs. Could that get tied to a paper bag? Yeah. Um, so now with this plastic. Plus all the trees and whatever to be cut down to make paper bags. Yeah, I mean, there's there's two sides to every... All of it. You, you, you can know. have the Plastic Bag Association fighting over here to the Make American Paper Council that's going to fight and it's going to go yeah. back and forth. It's pa pa Trees grow naturally. They, they're, they're replenishable. They, they, they farm the right trees that grow quick in everything. Oil, you have to mine. It's expensive. I mean, it, it, yeah, there's, there's both sides. But, I mean, I, I'm excited to see, like you know, straw is being banned because when we go do beach cleanups, straws, cigarette butts, cigarette cigarette butts and bottle caps. bottle caps. And I'm really excited to see, like, I would say, you know, some of the bottle companies, I don't, I don't want to mention names, it doesn't really matter, but where the cap is actually not a screw off, it's a pop off with an attachment. So now those caps aren't being you know, disposable, and then you just drink the bottle and you recycle the bottle and the cap ends up somewhere. So now it's like one piece. It's really cool to see that stuff. But, you know, for you guys, you're in the business to make money, you know, and supply the demand. Like, has your customers complained that they now had to switch to paper or some recycle and now their costs are going up? Like, how are they, you know, occurring that cost and, and, what what adjust what do you see them making adjustments so where paper is more expensive than plastic yeah uh, the perception is paper is better than plastic yeah um, so people have to go off the perception they want their customers they want their marketing to be you know good and yeah. green so i think what a lot of people are doing is what you know what jacks and hss are doing they're they're co-oping they're, they're co-oping co their bags there's a bag right behind you Linden, you know, Jackson Stance. Well, Stance partnered with them. Yeah. You know, HSS doing it with their with uh, you know Hurley store or Van, Vans portion. Yeah. So I think the manufacturers want to be aligned with the shops that are doing the right thing, doing a you know 100%. That's a 100% recycled paper bag. 95% of that bag was made from waste. It's the highest grade paper um, in the United States that you can get for post-consumer recycled materials. So. The shops, some of them are taking it, yeah. and other ones are co-oping, allowing a manufacturer to participate in that bag cost yeah. for additional branding for. Which know. is great, you know, pass the pass the cost on to you know the the brands for their support. You know, I mean, it's it's only it's great marketing for them. It's you know maybe they, the cost. maybe they do twelve windows a year with somebody rather than yeah. uh, or they do six rather than twelve right. because they're all allocating some marketing funds towards their packaging yeah and I think I think that's a good thing without totally. a doubt yeah I mean it's big business a lot of a lot of bags being produced a lot of bags walking out of these surf shops and you know it's that's what we it's, hope it's yeah yeah we hope there's shop, a lot shop of local <laughs> but shop it's local. like you know you everybody walks down the street with you know their their gift bag and I mean. You're proud to like, hey, I shopped here, and and the, and the companies want to share share that. Make some free marketing. Um, again, the investigative reporter uh, Jay Larson found the recycling locator on your website. That's that's a cool little feature that you uh, put on your website. Um, he puts a, a cool question there: is is there enough recycling centers? That are convenient for people around Orange County. 
we're we're lucky in Orange County. You know, we're in the we're in the sweet spot. Yeah, for all that. But if you go out out of the state where yeah. green isn't as cool, and it's funny you say that because labeling on these bags like 100% recyclable or this and that. You can't say a bag is 100% recyclable if it's not conveniently recycled. Yes. So if you're somewhere in the Midwest that it's 40 miles to the nearest recycling center, that bag legitimately shouldn't be used in that area. Hmm. Yeah. Just, again, more legislation involved that you can't use that unless it's conveniently, yeah. Com- if it's conveniently recycled. Yeah, so. common sense approach. And it's, you know, what's right for one person isn't right for all. When, you know, what's right for one product isn't right for, for all. I like it. And from the start, you, you've donated the surf rider. Yes, that's awesome. So if they have, if they have, they know that um, Dolly, who's my assistant and office manager, um, she spends hours every single week just looking up legislation on bag bans and different yeah. things. So when there's a call that comes in for a charitable request for some bags, it goes right to Dolly, and Dolly knows there's certain there's certain uh, organizations that she doesn't even need to run it by me. And nice. ob- obviously if it's something when you when you call Linden for, for Outer Known or any of your beach cleanups, it's like, yeah, come by, get, what, get whatever you need. If yeah. it's something for Surfrider or Alaska Wilderness League and um, when Quicksilver had their Quicksilver Foundation in, in the day, um, that was just an automatic. And yes. it, well, it's not because, hey, that's how I started the company and I, I'm doing it out of guilt, it's just it's the thing to it's the thing to do. Yeah. Right thing to do. It's just it, yeah. it's just it, it has become natural. I don't know if it's been natural for thirty years. I, maybe I felt like I had to <coughs> commit that. It was sort of in my mission. It yeah. was in my business plan. But now it's just it's when you do things yeah. over and over again, mm. it becomes a habit. So now it's just well, yes. In in your DNA and being authentic, I mean, people see through it, you know, and they can now find out anything on the internet, whether you know you're a hypocrite or not, and. I mean, a lot of these surf, I mean, not just surf brands, but just, I think the mainstream media, it was kind of cool to be, you know, green. It was kind of more of a marketing scheme, but on the back end, you know, it was super hypocritical because they weren't really doing everything that they should have. Right. And I mean, it's, it's like the tapioca thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but seeing all these surf brands, whether it's outer known or the, you know, you know, Billabong or the board riders or Ruka, I mean, I work for Ruka and at our sales meetings, they talk about how X amount of the product line is going to be made out of repro- you know, recycled product. You know, next year, you know, that percentage goes up, you know, the following year it goes up. So each year they're striving to, you know, make a you know, smaller footprint on that. And it goes down to the hang tags, which I'm sure you, you probably work some of these brands. It works as the poly bags, the cornstarch bags that it actually gets shipped from the factory. It's about, you know, combining shipments on cargo ships, you know, like sharing cargo instead of, you know, like just all kinds of different ways to like, you know, bring down that footprint. And I just think the, it's cool, but I I think marketing needs to be on the forefront to like educate the the consumer and the general public. I think that needs to be, you know, more, more of a focus than, Hey, we got this cool athlete. You know, or we got this cool, yeah. you know, personality. I think, you know, the when we were talking earlier about how surf shops and surfers in general back in the day didn't really pay much attention to environmental awareness and, and sustainability, the, the, the now generation is definitely 
yeah you know pushing for it and and making sure that everyone is stepping to the plate and getting more yeah you know less of an impact on the environment yeah um it's a huge undertaking for some of these you know apparel or accessory brands who, who you know the product lines are so diverse and they're you know they're, they're working with so many different vendors i mean it's yeah. you know they, they can't happen overnight you know it's like baby steps but it, but we're probably the only the surf industry is probably the leading yeah you know industry that is promoting and you know yeah um, accepting or however you want to word it these practices yeah. you know like making sure that we are you know saving what we can and if if there's a store or a company mm -hmm. or organization that's just doing it for pr and marketing that's okay too because at least it's a start yes it's better than not doing it all and over over time they're going to be held under their microscope uh, yeah that's what they're going to be used to that's yeah. what's going to be common for them so i'm not going to be prejudiced on somebody that wants a recycled bag for the wrong reason it's yeah. it's still the right reason always yeah i mean your site you have you know, a, a little breakdown Look at of this guy got how, it all how, printed <laughs> out and everything. You know, Damn, for dude. E every ton of recycled paper bags purchased, the following resources are saved: two point five barrels of oil, forty one hundred kilowatt hours of electricity, seven thousand gallons of water, and three cubic yards of landfill space in seventeen trees. I mean, that's insane. <laughs> so those last two ones really got me when I was when I was younger, when I was having kids. Yeah, you know, throwing the my, my boy, my boys don't surf, but they, you know, we'd throw the ball and we were, we're a baseball family, right? Yeah. I'm just thinking like this open space over time, where's, how many landfills are we going to have? Are we going to have an opportunity to have parks and yeah. areas to play or to skate or whatever? And so that's where it got to me and saying, you know, a ton of bags, which is 2000 pounds, saves three cubic yards of landfill space. Well, there's a lot of bags, right? Yeah. That are out there. And it's like, are we, do we have a small part of a small park that you see going up or something. And yeah. I, I like to think we got a little small well, part of it. The yeah. industry does for sure. Well, that just goes back to your, your visual, you know, when you break it down into that numbers here, out of sight, out of mind. But when you start visualizing it, visualizing it, I think it's like more impactful. Like, especially when, you know, you're looking at a field and land landfills are, yeah. So we like to share that with the yes, account, like with the account by saying, Hey, you bought X amount of bags this year. Do you realize you saved, you know, 34 trees. That's cool. You saved 34 trees from being cut down that, you know, rather than this tree being cut down at 20 feet, now it's 30 feet. And <coughs> kind of cool. Really cool. So going back to surfing. Yes. Yeah. We love what, talking about surfing. What was your first, uh, oh, not sorry. What was your best surf trip? Best surf trip. So I want to go back again. So I, I've only taken a couple guys surf trips. Um, yeah. I've been married almost 25 years. I Good got a 23 year old that just graduated uh, from college. My youngest is a junior playing baseball at Cal Berkeley. So during season from February through May, uh, Karen and I are on a plane, John Wayne to Oakland or wherever, you know, the Pac-12 is playing, chasing our kid down, watching him play baseball all weekend. That's so awesome. So my, my weekends are, you know, I'm, I got my dad hat on, right? Um, when they were five and younger than that, I was coaching both of them. It yeah. just wasn't a ton of time. So when I did a surf trip, it was a family vacation that was typically in Hawaii, right? Yeah. And I would get out for a surf or get out for a golf or bring the kids fishing or, you know, push them into waves and 
they love surfing. They just love surfing <laughs> in warm, warm, slow, uh, you know, three, two, two or three foot waves, right? Our family vacations are to the beach. Yeah. Well, we, we snowboard a lot, but that's just, you know, more, more mammoth. We don't really travel, you know, out of state to go snowboarding, but most of our family trips, yeah, it's to the beach. So it was, that's what it was. So it was from that first time at, at Tur- Turtle Bay with when I was the kid and my parents took me. And so my dad sort of taught us like, taught me without me knowing he was, it was a teaching moment. It was a lesson like, this is what you do on family vacation, right? Yeah. Um, so we go, we, go to, we go to Hawaii and do those trips. We've done the trips to Mexico in Baja. Yeah. But my boys trip, uh, fun trip, me and two of my buddies went to Maui and we surfed Honolulu Bay for, you know, three days. That was, you know, for us, it was shoulder to a couple feet overhead. Perfect. Perfect right all the way into, into caves. And a funny story, that's the time that I nearly died. Okay, so this was 15 years ago before everyone had iPhones. And we trade turns taking waves video in. So <laughs> if you've surfed the bay before, you guys surfed the Honolulu Bay? Yeah, amazing. So we're sitting up there. And I, th- I think I was like, uh, Lyndon, as an ex-smoker, I was up there after my surf session having a cigarette. And uh, videotaping my buddies. And my buddy takes off on this set. And I'm running across the cliff videotaping. And I hear people screaming and yelling. And I'm like, boy, they're tripping out on my buddy just getting barreled, right? But they weren't. I, they're like, stop, stop. And I stopped. And I was literally six inches from running off the cliff. Because you're running with <laughs> I'm looking running through with the, the viewfinder. I get the chills right now. Thinking about freaking it. Freaking out. I, I, I would have died. Your Did friends, you stop and look down and went, and whoa. I'm like, I literally just soiled, Your soiled myself. Best wave ever almost <laughs> killed you. Yeah, and then he went even had the footage. Is that when you quit smoking? Or was you that, took I, another big drag? I, that's another story. But yeah, I haven't smoked in 15 years, but it was, it was shortly after that. Um, that was a really fun trip. And then Honolulu Bay got flat. We went to a windsurfing beach called Hokipa. Yeah. And... I think there's really only two spots that break there unless but, it's 20 foot. Or, or <laughs> Southwell in the summer at Lahaina yeah. Harbor. I've got some fun yeah. surf there. But Hokipa was more of a windsurfing wave and it takes forever to get out because a lot of current. But we went out there and it was, you know, breaks pretty far out. So it was definitely overhead, you know. So overhead to me is five to six feet. But when you're in Hawaii, it's what, two to three feet? Yeah. yeah. Whatever. But we go out there and it started building. It started building. Yeah. I did the same thing. I shook the hands of the guy, told him where we're staying, where we're from. He was stoked that we're from, you know, Huntington and Newport. And it kept getting bigger and getting bigger. And I started looking at these waves and I see the sets coming. And I was not paddling out to get a set. I was paddling out to get over the sets. And I look back and, you know, these sets were from the back of the wave were six to eight feet. And I'm yeah. like, how am, how am I going to get in? Oh. How am I getting in? Like That's Hawaii. So, just like that. And I've always heard the story, but it was actually happening. So I finally took a wave after a couple hours and I've taken off of a shoulder and it's just left and I'm just having a high line, high line. And I finally make it through and I kick out and I'm like, okay, I can probably paddle into shore now. And I thought, that was fun. I want to go get another one. (laughs) You know, about four hours later, I was taken off fading, going right and got a little too cocky and got pitched and got put on the shelf. And it was, it was ugly. I thought I was going to drown, but that was that was one of the heaviest waves that I surfed. I've surfed Macabre this past uh, January with the Downing family. And they said it was a playful four to six feet. And yeah. Macabre, four to six feet for a, a Howley like me wasn't as playful. But <laughs> I did the same thing. I shook the guy's hands. They said, hey, no worries. Sit inside. We're going to get the sets. Just stay out of our way. And what's interesting, yeah. in Hawaii, I was always taught, Robert August taught me when you're paddling, because I did it one time to him. I paddled over the shoulder because I didn't want to duck dive. And... At Makaha, they want you paddling deep because they're always they're always fading, right? Yeah. So they want you paddling on the shoulder, 
not to mess up their wave. Yeah. Mm. And so just different things that introduce yourself to the local. Yeah, it's like opposite where you're training, like get off the shoulder, take the white water or the lip mm. on the head. But there. So I've heard your other stories yeah. of, you know, the Indos trip. And yeah. I, I was going to be on the Indies Trader with uh, McKnight and all the Quicksilver guys years ago, right before 9-11. And that, that trip got shut down. And at that point in time, Mama was like, you got two little ones at home. Like, yeah. We're going we're gonna to keep you a little bit more lo local. You you kind of have a little surf adventure coming up, right? May 13th, going to the ranch. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Ah, dang. So psyched. Let me know how it is. Larson hasn't gone yet. What? Yeah, exactly. Slater's never invited me. Whatever, wow. bro. <laughs> Lennon's never invited me. Whatever, bro. Slater, come on. Hook it's, it up. Hey, come it's, on, it's work. It's work trip, bro. I mean. Yeah. You, you don't work for outer known man so i don't know like i, I call linda i'm like okay i'm like up at night thinking like paddling to that first wave like just make your first turn keep a high line yeah. like just slow down like yeah. it's it's yeah. funny every time that uh you know you you meet somebody that surfed it you obviously talk about it and talk about how it's so good the wave is so good <laughs> but then it's so intimidating and then the lead up to it, right? Before you get there, you hear all this, you know, talk about it and, and advice and unwanted advice and some of it, you know, accepted advice, but until you do it and you, you, you ride the wave and you get there, it's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable that a man-made thing like this is, it's the perfect wave and, yeah. and you're gonna be. It looks so perfect. Everyone's frothing in this room right now. But it's like you know, it's like Christmas. It's like Christmas gonna be Eve trunking to a kid. it then yeah. by then in May. Yeah, you could be trunking it. Yeah. So you can't wait. Everyone's like, but, "What board are you bringing?" Then other people are like, training. Don't even every day. Yeah. Every nice, day. Dude. Yeah. Every day on on the beach, running stairs. <laughs> yeah. the long, it's like going on a surf trip. Like you, you get prepared for like it. Like I'm not walking when I go surf Maghurst uh, at lunch break just because I know I can get yeah. in and out. There's no crowd. I'm gonna yeah. get my 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 10 waves and get back get back to work it's, that's a long walk on the beach that's yeah it's yeah seven football fields seven is that what it is football fields by the time you, the wave breaks and it ends it's probably six that you're riding okay. you know but by the time yeah the pool is seven football fields long it's 700 yards so yeah. that and you 15 probably turns? you honestly catch it at maybe at the five or six hundred yard mark six. so how many turns do you think oh 15 Depends on who Dude. you are. Okay, Linden, so one sweet kick out. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> but with style. That's the why head, they call him the, the head chalky. Whip. That's oh why they gosh. call him the chalky. That is, that is, that is not nice. Um, you know, it's, what's a bummer is when you're leaving, right? And, and you're like a drug addict. You're like, how am I going to get back here? That's, that's, that's what, the moment you, you drive out the gate, you're like, how am I going to get back here? <laughs> who do I know? Who, who, how, how am I going to finagle another trip? I, to the I mean, I'll, I'll get there one day, but, um, I've surfed a couple of the other way pools and <clears throat> it's just, it's new. It's different. It's, it's exciting. It's challenging. You think it's going to be easy, but it's not, you know, you think, Oh, it's the same wave every time, but you know, just like There's subtle it, differences in them for just, sure. Just like human nature, you, you, you feel like, I could tweak it here. I could do this turn there. I could, you know, and then you're trying to read because the wave goes faster. It slows down. It gives you opportunity to kind of think about it. It's 
What's the bottom like? Is it concrete? It's concrete, concrete. <laughs> no, it's concrete a hard but then there's like a uh, um, yeah. like a a thick like plastic covering over it. So when you get bounced? Oh yeah, you, yeah. You, I heard you can get effed up. Pe- people get hurt. Yeah, yeah. People, people get dislocate hurt. shoulders. Yeah. People, you know, I got stitches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brophy beat up his shoulder. Yeah. He, he yeah. dislocated his shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. People can, can get hurt. So talking about futuristic things, um, what is your take on foiling? You ever like... Have you tried it yet? Or? I mean, are you a, a waterman where you just like, hey, I only have enough time to go surf or do, have you, did you I'm, embrace the stand-up when it kind of went, you know, kind of public 10 years, 15 years ago, yeah. you know? So st- stand-up for me, again, I'm a total novice compared to you guys out in the water. Um, the stand-up thing is exercise, playful... Yeah, enjoying the you and the, the wife in the harbor. The water, right? Yeah, like um, the foiling thing. I totally appreciate it. I see, you know, my buddy Punker Pat and Nick and and Punker uh, rips on it. He rips on everything. Yeah, throw down a ironing board and, yeah. and and Punker just kills it. But I appreciate that. But I look at it. and I'm like, that's a work. lot of de- dedication and being the total, you know, addict that I am in everything I do. Right. I don't have, there's not enough hours in the day to run my company, to be yeah. a husband, to be a dad. Yeah. Uh, I still like to, I still like to golf. I'm gone every weekend with my, my, my son playing baseball. Yeah. There's just not enough hours in the day. So I'm going to let the rippers like you guys sort of experiment with that and take your head off. But it's insane. I dig it. Yeah. Um, it's kind of weird. I live down in Laguna, so I'll surf Scotchman's and Reef Point and you'll see the guys out there doing that. But some of the old cronies are like, dude, take that somewhere else. Yeah. Like, it's definitely mixed emotions. Like, you know, people, I, but I, I think it's you you got to be physically fit and you got to have the time to put in you know yeah. it's not like oh i'm just gonna go try it for an hour here or there like you gotta it looks like you gotta put some serious yeah, you time get worked in. get a rope yeah. and get a ski oh yeah people get really hurt on those too and you follow i mean the quicksilver pro you know just just started do you follow any of the uh, tour surfing or events or I you do. watch online i do in the office you're trying to you know play some POs I, got couple, and then I, you're, I got a couple screens and i'll i'll put it up but i get lazy because you know I'll go home at night and just do the heat analyzer where I can go through yes. and skip through it a little bit quicker. I'm sure they're not loving that with their sponsors and stuff, but it allows me, I don't, I don't have six or eight hours to watch. Now, yeah. if there's a, you know, if Kelly's in a heat, I've yeah. just always been a Kelly guy. I've been a Quicksilver guy forever. Right. Yeah. And so, um, that's where, you know, Kelly's first big sponsorship was with quick. So I'd watch that. I'd yeah. sometimes, you know, run over to Quicksilver and they have it on main street and they got this big, huge TV up there and everyone's hooting and hollering. You felt like you were, we're there, but now these days I'll just do the heat analyzer at home. Yeah, I love it. I listen and put it on the phone. We were driving back from a rep show yesterday, and Fantasy Surfer. We're just watching it on yes. the, on you the play phone. Fantasy Surfer. I don't. I see it. Yeah. Again, I told you I'm <laughs> recovering out of like <laughs> fantasy football, yeah. fantasy yeah. hockey. Fa- I've done it. I've done it all, but like I'm a recovering fantasy guy too because I'll just get so self-absorbed with it that um, that's awesome. You know, I got work. I got work to do, and I like to. I'd rather get out in the water and paddle. Cool. Yeah, it's just like me, and I keep my uh, hobbies simple. Ping yeah. pong and surfing. I almost brought the ping pong table in for you guys yeah, today, yeah. just to break it out. Yeah. It's been a while. We need we to... We a little rusty. <clears throat> we keep talking sure. about it, maybe. I know. Seriously, dude? I know. But it comes down to... So foiling, foiling no. No. Doesn't mean I won't try it. I could, yeah. I could do it, but... Um, Are you excited for the Olympics? Skateboarding, surfing, and the Olympics? It's insane. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's the first time um, 
and that's what sort of inspired Kelly for the wave pool, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Because it's so hard. You you got a window of two weeks to get four days in, right? And t- yeah. sometimes you're scratching for that. And how do you judge? Like in yeah. gymnastics, you gotta you gotta do one of these or one of those to get yeah. your points. And maybe you gotta maybe you gotta do a you know an air, an air reverse. You have to get tube. You have to do a floater. You gotta go switch or whatever it is. So everybody's gonna be judged on four specific moves. Yeah. And you, you can't do that at a Huntington. Okay, you gotta you gotta do your Huntington hop three times and see if you can connect to the inside, right? You yeah. gotta shoot the pier. It, it'll make it great for like televised, but I think it'll be good for the Olympics based on like adding, you know, something new, you yeah. know, like. It's gonna progress the, not the Olympics, but swimming or surfing in a, a, a wave pool is gonna progress surfing so far. Yeah. And, and I think the Olympics, you know, obviously it's going to bring a lot of eyes and attention to surfing and hopefully that'll be a big, you know, uh, boost to the industry, you know, you know, I mean, yeah, it can't hurt how it much can't hurt. where the ceiling is. I don't know. It's not, it's not yeah. going to hurt. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I mean, yeah. I love, I love, uh, watching surfing in any medium. Um, it definitely could get tedious and, you know repetitive on in a wave pool but yeah like it's funny to see you know when you watch i've watched those contests at at surf ranch and and the guys that you you would go okay that guy can that guy like john john struggled at the wave pool because i think he was under the pressure right and i I heard stephanie gilmore was kind of under the pressure too because of the arena the real arena effect of of, you know the wave pool and if they had that in olympics whoa that's even more mm-hmm. intensity intensities. Yeah, I mean, some of the it comes down to you know how much time you put in the pool too. Yeah. You know, like it's not easy. And I'm you know some surfers spend a lot of time, some don't. Some think it's just like oh it's perfect I'll just go rip. But it, it looks challenging. And when you see the the best guys in the world struggle sometimes, it makes you think like, all right, I think we might be onto something here. Yeah. As far as like you said, elevating and seeing what's gonna what's yeah. gonna go down and it's mind blowing. Olympics and to, new wave pool technology. Yeah, it's 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 insane to think that it's it's here, right? Like a perfect wave is is here. That it's really not a figment of somebody's imagination. It's it's happening. It's yeah. a tangible. You know, and I've experienced it and a lot of people experience it and you're like, man, I can't believe it. And think what they're going to do in 10 years from now. Yeah. Like what a wave pool is going to look like or... They're going to the recreate the bottom. Top, you yeah. know what I mean? To say, here's a, the bottom will all form, right? Some engineers in there and they got to reset it and the bottom goes here yeah. and all of a sudden it's it's pipeline, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or it's, this is I mean, snappers. You, yeah. It's like... Before you wouldn't think it was feasible. A, yeah. a Kira Bank right come yeah. or left, or left in in the <laughs> uh, in the middle of nowhere, yeah. Lemoore, California. Yeah. But hey, you might get a pipeline wave in Lemoore, California yeah. someday. So what what boards do you ride? Like what's your typical shape now? You surf Laguna a lot at your home break and so, mostly California Beach break. You still surf, surf Noops a lot, right? I do. Uh, I love like I said when I was younger. The West Wells surfing that left, I'm yeah. goofy foot, that left off 28th Street. Yeah. You know, and there was Robbie Todd and Richie Collins and the Estrada brothers. Like that, that was my, that was my deal. Um, I'm riding like a 6'1, 
uh, Channel Islands, Thruster, Fred Rubble. I have an, like, an old, old, original OG uh, Merrick pod. Uh, nice. That that I love. Um, Doc just shaped me a new board, a bigger fun fun board that when it's just slow and mushy out yeah. at, at at Scotchman's. Um, That's what's cool. We talk about it all the time. Is you there's know, so many different boards. Yeah. From. I even got Surfing Laguna, my house in North Laguna Shore Break. It's all soft tops. Everyone's doing it. There's kids out in the water, yeah. and uh, Almond Surfboard does this. Oh, I saw that. Five four. Um, isn't it recycled materials? It's too? recycled materials, soft top quad setup, so fun. It's probably 34, 36 um, Liter. liters. Yeah. So 36, 24, 36. <laughs> Something like that. What a winning what? hand. That's a, perfect, that's a winning board right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's cool. I surf, I surf so many different boards. I, I yeah. don't even feel like I have a, a go-to. That's um, good. It just yeah. depends how I feel. If, I, if I've been training, I'm trying to train and paddle every single day. And so yesterday I brought out a, a bigger board and it was a little <clears> bit softer uh, out there and slower. But yeah, I caught, I got plenty of waves. I, it didn't have a lot of snap to it. It wasn't as loose. There was just more foam to it. But I got a bunch of waves. And so when I got surf today, I'll surf probably a little smaller board. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of what we hear from everybody, and even including myself, is you got to have a bunch of different boards to stay go- inspired. What's your go-to? I mean, it's, it's tough to say. They say, what's your yeah. go-to? Well, am I surfing Laguna? Am I surfing yeah. Newport? Or am I surfing Huntington? Yeah. I mean, back when we were kids, it was like you had the one board and that was it. Right. You know? Or maybe a step up if you're going to go surf something bigger. Right. Now it's like, oh, I got a board for, yeah, exactly. Is it is it waist high and below? But is it a Newport waist high or is it a Huntington waist high? Because I got boards that are going to work for different. If it's going to be... Yeah, I'm, I have way too many boards. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, Gravel 5'6", five, 5'7", five, to Shortboard 5'10", to 6'0", you know. What about you, Landon? Uh, I have two boards that I rotate between the size of the waves. Yeah. So anything overhead, I ride my 5'7". Do you, you go out when it's overhead? Ah, no, I'm joking. I listen that. to the last right. podcast. You heard that, right? Whatever, bro. <laughs> Yeah, but he's not that tall, so sometimes three quarters. <clears throat> Everything's overhead. Oh, ouch! Everything's overhead. <laughs> Just kidding, dude. He rips. And uh, I also have a twin fin, a two plus one setup. Uh, yeah. Five five, magic, best board I've had in a long time. Yeah. Tim stamps. Yeah. I guess it. I got a fit. I, you saw my stamps in the back. Yeah. 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 Fish, I love it. Yeah. Boards are cool. Larson I mean, just picked up a, a couple new stamps too. Yeah. I like it. Ridden one. I told him. I texted him the other day. I said, "Get him one of these. Shaka's. <laughs> Love it. And yeah. so does he. Shaka emoji. Yeah. What color was it? Your Shaka emoji. Like me. Okay. Bronze. Bronze. <laughs> <laughs> I go middle of the spectrum. Yeah. You know. Um, dude, we're at an hour and eighteen minutes. Doesn't feel like it. How many people we've have we lost in the last eighteen? <laughs> Can you track that? Yeah. No, everybody likes. It's to not hear. live, bro. Yeah. Okay. Edit. <laughs> edit. No, no, we don't. We don't have to edit. We like it. Um, anything you want to say before we go, or? No, when I first, like I said, I've here and there staying in contact with Lyndon. Yeah. Um, I've known you through the industry for years. It's just the the, the local local ripper and uh, world renowned local ripper. World yeah. re- renowned. Um, you have both great reputations. So when you told me the story, I'm like, dude, I'm 
all in. And when I said I was all in, it wasn't like all in, like, hey, interview me, because I think my story is pretty boring compared to the other guys yeah. that you'll have in here. But it's my story. It's unique for me. Yeah. The life yeah. I live because what the industry is is given to me. Yeah. Uh, I won't be able to pay back the industry enough. So um, if there's if I'm part of this foundation of your earlier podcast that you're going to improve upon, yeah. I'm glad. Plenty I'm, of improving. I'm going. glad I'm part of it. Like it's cool. I think that people will be inspired to listen to, you know, the, the surf shop owners, whether yeah. it's um, yeah. the, from Jacks to HSS to the ZJs to whoever it's going to be. Um, yeah. I think people are going to get inspired. And who knows? It could be some Grom listening to one of those guys' stories. Yeah. That's, you know, yeah. just fixing, fixing the surfboards in the back of a shop or sweeping a shaping room that says, yeah. hey, I can do it too. Yeah. I mean, in a perfect world, and I mean, you've created your own perfect world of your passion for surf and your passion for business and the business model and how that connects and hopefully not just your interview, but other interviews we're going to do kind of inspire people to follow the passion, you know, and you know, people listening are, are either friends of ours or, or they found us through surfing or, you know, they've bonded through, um, you know, some sort of business venture, but hopefully it all ties back to surfing. Yeah. Yeah. What's really cool is it's, it's all been organic so far, you know, from our, our logo to the music to, you know, our guests on the show. Like, we're all connected somehow. But the logo, the name, <laughs> the music, like, everything is tied. Like, your, your intro, your closing, it's legit. It really, we're, we're, we're trying. It, it's really cool. I can't wait to see where it, evol- where it evolves because yeah. I started in a 10 by 10, right? Hey, you're... Right. you're you're, and and where you guys put a lot sure. of pressure on us, man. I feel like I'm dropping into the KS uh, wave pool right now. I better not dig around. Don't or... even tell me that. Like my heart still pounds thinking of like that first paddling. You hear, you're hearing the train coming and the oh, sleds dude. coming and like, oh, Bach, you're up, you're up. Yeah. Like paddle. And, and all your friends going to clown you on oh. the sidelines. How many people are on your trip? Uh, me and nine. Oh, dude, you are so... I think you're going to get like 120... <laughs> It's a, 120. You, 120 waves. Uh-huh. So you're doing it the whole day, right? The whole day. Dude. But the, 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 and like seven of them don't yeah. even want to go backside and surf left. Are you kidding me? And I'm like, okay. Wow. I'm down. I'm down. Sounds like you need a, a late night with Shockey uh, dropping. We should have done this interview then, man. <laughs> what bad pouring of, uh, you know, poorly uh, executed uh, timing here. I'm kidding. I just like to see it when they can get a few more done. They've learned from the engineer and how they yeah. can get that get that price down. That would be more affordable because that's something <coughs> I would love to be able to do to bring to my bring with my kids and bring yeah. with, bring the employees here. And it's just... You know, it's 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 a big number at this point too oh, yeah. to yeah. be able to justify for for, sure. for ten or twenty. I know you went on that trip with Lockie and the guys, yeah. uh, right? Yeah, there's twenty of you. Twenty four. Twenty four. Yeah. Um, yeah, I passed. It was an expensive trip. <laughs> you know, I, I hear you. So, um, you're a entrepreneur. You've set up a great business. Uh, your your son is actually one. Your oldest son is actually following in your footsteps, right? Correct. That's that's amazing. Um, it would be nice to hear a some kind of advice to us or you know people that listen on the show. Like what what's the best advice you've ever gotten? Wow, on the spot. You know we we want to we want to end on a on a banger. Right it sounds now. corny, but. Do what you do what you love. Yeah. Like it does. It sounds really corny, but yeah. do what you love. And yeah. I have the ability in between appointments that 
if I wanted to go to the golf course and hit a bucket of balls, right, or take off early and go fish or, or, or surf, like yeah. whatever it is, it's created this lifestyle for me. Um, it hasn't been given to me. I've gotten lucky, but by hard work creates luck, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, effort equals results. Yeah. Like you put a bunch of negative effort, focus on negativity, you're going to see more negativity. Yeah. If you f put more passion into something with positive effort and to truly unconditionally try to help others and make the world a better place, yeah. um, it happens. I'm so, I'm so excited on May 9th when we have our party here. There's probably 20 alumni um, over the years that have worked for us, right? And half of them have their own businesses. That's awesome. And some of them have left bitterly. You know, when I showed them the door <laughs> yeah. or when they said, you know, I'm a jerk, I'm a kook, I, I grind too hard. But the. That's how you bring the best out of people. The values that my dad instilled with me that drove me crazy, I do with these other guys. Yeah. And now I get these phone calls and these texts going. Thank you. Dude, let's go to lunch. Like, thank you. Like, I was yeah. such a jerk. The, my employees <clears throat> are doing this to me. And so I've been able to really pay it, pay it forward. Yeah. Um, and it, so it sounds really corny, but it's like, not at all. Do, do, do what's right. Do what feels yeah. right in your heart and be, be committed yeah. to what you want to do. If you're following your passion and you're, you're following something that you're committed to and you're having fun, that hard work, those late hours, all that, you know, kind of, kind of goes over your head a little bit because you're so focused on, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, you know? So you're putting in all this, that time and effort but you know, in hindsight, when you look back, that's what it took. But at the same time, you you know, you probably felt like it wasn't that bad. You know, maybe there were times it was more difficult. Sometimes it was more play, play. You know, more play than than work. But yeah, I feel like you're you, you know, you got so much experience that you could kind of look back and be like, wow, I can't believe I got through that hurdle or that bad time or the yeah. industry or or you know, just the the the, the growth and struggles. Yeah. Great, yeah. and when those struggles happen to people, yeah, understand that it's a lesson. Yeah, and somebody that has more struggles has more lessons. So somebody <clears throat> has more faith in that person than the person that never has struggles, because that's where the growth happens. Yeah, it's cool. Well, I think we're gonna wrap it up, but before we do, um, I wanted to say thank you, Dave, for you know inviting us, inviting us here. You've created an amazing business for you and your family, and and the families that you support. You know, yeah. that's, that's insane like, Love it. To, to be able to, that's a huge responsibility that, that you've taken, you know, cause you're not only putting food on your table and your family of the 14 employees yeah. that you have. There's a responsibility to their families. Yeah. yeah. So and to their mortgage payment or their kids or their daycare, whatever it yeah. is. And that's, that's, I think so satisfying to you, you know I mean? I don't know if you think about it enough or, or, or much like, Dude, you're, you're like yeah. supporting 14, you yeah. know, families. But he's trying to instill the, the, the passion and the, you know, when you mentioned profit sharing, because a lot of companies don't do that, you know, and when you give them a little bit of equity, you know, it makes that person, you know, one more loyal, one, you know, work harder to yeah. feel like they're a part in something bigger and more important than just them. And, and to me, anywhere. like that part of the story is what makes your story really you know, important to, to hear because, yeah. you know, there's a lot of, you know, businesses out there that don't do that. Yeah. And, and I'm stoked that, you know, you sat down and, and we talked about it and our other friends learn about Dave Bach and they learn about Earthpack, 
you know that's a that's a killer story okay yeah. thanks so we we, we want our uh, profit share after this episode <laughs> 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 Give me some yeah, shop yeah, names yeah, and we'll yeah, talk, yeah, boys. Let's do this. All right, bud. Thank, thanks so much. We appreciate it. Thank you, boys. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.